0: Greetings listeners, Jonathan Harding here on Culture Club. Last week, as of this recording, Twitter got into quite the argument, as it so often does. This particular argument was centred around what is and isn't a game developer. The original tweet that spurred this on came from a marketer, I believe, who stated that quality assurance testers aren't game developers when they most definitely are by most measures and literally every single actual game developer on Twitter. The typical image of a game developer is of someone doing programming, but that's a programmer. And there's a reason game studios employ more than just programmers. That's because it takes more than just programming to make a game. And this reminded me of a video from developer Tommy Thompson on his YouTube channel AI and Games, titled Video Game Discourse is Broken. The video actually came out back in February, but it's point stuck with me. The crux of Tommy's argument, and the crux of mine today, is that most people have absolutely no idea how games are made. The average consumer has no clue of what goes into game development. The average game reviewer doesn't know, neither do most influencers, marketers, or even investors. The problem here is that there has been a breakdown of communication between these groups. And the actual game developers themselves. So when a member of the public, be they an influencer, reviewer, or consumer, talks about games, they usually don't know what they're talking about, and I'll stand by that knowing full well that I fall into at least two of these categories. The difference here is that I've taken a crack at game development more than once. My knowledge of the industry stems from a genuine interest in developing games and not just playing them. Game development is a long and complicated process with a lot more going on than just coming up with an idea and then making the game. First, of course, you have your idea. This could be a theme or central mechanic, perhaps even the makings of a story. Using this as your basis, you create a design document which explains the game's themes, mechanics, ideas, story, world, and influences, etc. This is essentially an in-depth explanation of what you want the final game to be. Normally, once you've drawn this up and finalized it, you won't change it. You'll leave it. It's sort of your guiding principle. It's not an exact rule set, it's just a set of guidelines. The studio could spend months hashing this out, but once that's done, you hand your design document off to the artists, programmers, coders, level designers, da, da 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 There's a huge number of people involved. The artists then design the characters, environments, and elements of the user interface based on your design document. These individual pieces and designs could go through hundreds of iterations before anyone lands on anything they actually like. A single character could change drastically before the artists land on a design the development leads like this design would then need to be finalized based on feedback from said leads and once that's done your 3d artists get to work on modeling the characters and environments the animators will then rig these models and animate them as necessary each time going back to the development leads studio executives and the investors to get the okay. Not necessarily always the investors, though. They don't usually know what's going on in there, but at the very least, the executives will see it, and they will go yay or nay. All the while, your programmers have been designing, tweaking, and testing the game's core mechanics. The level designers have been using these early versions of the game's mechanics to design and test levels, and this is where quality assurance comes in. Sometimes a publisher will outsource QA to another studio. There are entire studios dedicated to nothing other than QA. But their job is more than just looking for bugs and glitches. They play the game, looking for issues as they go. Anything that might negatively impact a player's experience. They seek to identify obtuse puzzles, overly challenging combat encounters, mechanics that don't gel well with others, and so much more. Everyone in a given studio will test the game at some point or other, but they've got other things to worry about. Once the programmers, artists, modelers, animators, level, and audio designers have a rough feel, flow, and appearance of a given thing nailed down, they move on to the next thing and get to nailing that down. They have seen that thing inside and out and are now moving on to another thing. It is the job of quality assurance to make sure that this thing is good, fun, not terrible, and functional. They do this by submitting reports. There's a bug here when I do this and this. This character doesn't speak when I talk to them. This thing here feels off, maybe change it to this. This animation plays too slowly for the overall pace of the scene. This music is too overpowering for the tone of this level, etc. Sometimes a game's design will even change directions entirely depending on the feedback coming from QA. Of course, once QA submits a report, a team has to now go back and fix whatever problems they've come across. Sometimes, said team will even discuss the report with QA to get a better understanding of the situation. The discussions will normally happen more often, or are far more likely to happen, rather, when QA is actually in-house. Uh, Corey Barlog has gone on record. He works at Sony Santa Monica. They made God of War not too long ago. Um... He's gone on record online as saying that they have changed directions entirely based on what QA has said to them in the past. This is how games are made. The entire process is iterative and it can change gears at any given time, and not just because of the people actually working on the game. The marketing team might have a particular angle or idea that pushes the game in a specific direction the investors and studio executives, who oftentimes have their own ideas about what makes a good game. And, of course, the executives are the ones who sign off on everything, so their say goes, and the investors are the ones with the money, so their say also goes. This is a breakdown of communication. The marketing team doesn't know how games are made. They just know what's popular and how to market it. That's their job. The studio executive likely doesn't know how games are made, they just answer to the investors, and the investors almost always definitely don't know how games are made, but they're the ones with the money, and they only put it in because they want it to grow, failed to listen to them, and they might pull that money out. So often online, I hear the statement that the developers aren't passionate enough to fix their game in relation to a single bug or glitch, but that's not true. Game development is driven by creativity, passion, and a love of games. This isn't an industry one works in for the money, and if you're considering game development for the money, look elsewhere. In AAA, developers are often underpaid and overworked, as is. The millions going into the industry are going straight back to the investors, with interest added on top. Games discourse genuinely is broken. How can you talk about a thing when you don't really know how that thing works? How can one say that the developers in an industry driven by passion don't have passion? I get it, like, Bethesda makes buggy games, but Bethesda Game Studios, the people actually making the game, and Bethesda Softworks, the people publishing and marketing and distributing the game, are two very different groups. They're not even the ones calling the shots. The investors and executives are. They are the people who decide what goes into a game. They are the people who decide what does and doesn't get fixed. They're not even the ones calling the shots. The investors and executives are. They are the people who decide what goes into a game. They are the people who decide what does and doesn't get fixed. They are the people who decide, you know what, the game might be a little bit broken, they probably don't know, but we like money, so we're going to make and sell an expansion pack. In the meantime, we'll just, I don't know, promise to fix the game. And again, that's if they even know that it's broken in the first place. There's there's terrible communication here. The social media team and community managers often don't know how games are made either. They don't even have a hand in the process, but they are the ones catching flack when things are buggy or when the players deem something to be poorly designed. Way back when, I call it the before times because it happened before I was born, Apple made the Apple II home computer. It was glorious and still is for what it's worth. Then they made the Apple III home computer and it was very much not glorious. The difference between the two computers was that the one was designed by engineers and the other was designed by investors. Apple's investors designed the Apple III's outer shell first, deciding early on that the vents along the back and sides of the Apple II were unsightly, so the Apple III wouldn't have them. Once the outer shell was designed, the investors said to the engineers, fit this tech into it, to these exact specifications. The outer shell's design is final, and you are not allowed to change it. So, the engineers crammed the necessary circuits and boards into the box they had been given, and a few months later, the Apple III was on the market. Today, the Apple III is known for being exceedingly useless and expensive. It overheated every five minutes, was prone to crashing, froze at random, and I kid you not, a legitimate fix for when the computer froze, given to consumers by Apple themselves, was to raise it off your desk roughly 10 centimeters and drop it. This fix actually worked most of the time, by the way, at least as far as I'm told by retro computer nerds. I've not yet tested it out myself because I don't have one of these unglorious machines. And when you think about it in that context, you start to realize just how so many games can fail at launch. Anthem released in 2019. Marvel's Avengers released last year alongside Cyberpunk 2077. Cyberpunk could be a good game, and right now CD Projekt, the game's publisher, has committed themselves publicly to fixing the buggy mess they forced their developers to put out. Electronic Arts initially planned to fix Anthem, but over a year later, and they've now cancelled the rework, deciding that it would instead be more profitable to put their money elsewhere. And Square Enix doesn't seem to understand why so few people are playing Avengers, despite the constant updates and patches which don't actually seem to be fixing anything. These games could have been spectacular, but they weren't designed by developers. They were designed by investors. Anywho, hope you found that interesting. I intended for this one to be shorter than the last one. I think I'm maybe two minutes under. That's not... Great, I should probably try to shorten these up a little bit more. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed. Signing off. Cheers.